0: Hour number two of the vice presidential invasion of Charlotte. News Talk 1110, News Talk 1110 and uh, 99.3 WBT. Uh, this Look, this is one of those things the big cities got to deal with. I remember when we were all so excited back in the day when we were like, oh, please be world class. We need to be world class. Aren't we just like Atlanta? We want to be like Atlanta, but better than Atlanta. We want to be world class. It was such a big push for Charlotte for so long, and and, you know, they started getting some visits from the president. And then all of a sudden people started realizing, wait a minute, like, this kind of stinks. Because now you got now you got traffic jams everywhere. And, like, I work in this business and I didn't realize Kamala Harris was going to just mess up my commute. She's going to mess your commute up, by the way, on the way home. It's going to happen because she's leaving at, like, 430. She's supposed to have a speech at 1.30, and um, I'm debating on whether we should carry it. I'm, I'm not going to ask, because if I throw it out there, then I'm going to get everybody saying, no, I don't want to hear her. But that's the thing. I do want to hear, because she may she may do one of those like, story time segments that she does. Have you heard any of the story time segments that she does? Where she starts explaining things that to people that I, she must obviously believe are children, even though they're, like, adults, Uh, and and, and she starts trying to explain very basic, rudimentary concepts to them by using the very words that she's trying to define. That's the thing about belief, you know? It's belief. So if you believe something, that means you have belief, and that's what belief is about. That kind of stuff. So it's like story time with with the Veep. I'm kind of curious... To see if she does something like that, because she's going to be doing a roundtable talking about reproductive rights, which, again, that's not an accurate description. Reproductive rights exist. There are no, there, no No one has taken away your reproductive rights. What is occurring is termination rights, right? The that's or elimination, right? There's a different it's a different thing. You're not trying to reproduce. And honestly, the mere fact that you're calling it reproduction indicates that you do understand that it is a human. (laughs) So, but I digress. I digress. She's in town. She's going to be trying to uh, uh, stump for some of these North Carolina Democrats because we all know her prowess as a campaigner. Legendary. But they got some problems over in the Democrat Party. Jim Garrity mentioned it. I read through his uh, more, uh, some of his morning jolt newsletter that he puts out and you know, he keeps asking this question on whether Democrats seem more centrist and results focused now than they did 2 years ago. Cuz when you're winning, if you're a political party or, you know, a, a sports team, if you're winning, you have very little incentive to change anything. Why would you? What you're doing is working, right? But when you lose, then you got to do the postmortem, the autopsy. You got to figure out what did I do wrong. Let's correct that, and then I, I'll be successful. You know, remember the Republicans did it a couple times over the years. I mean, I'm not saying they followed through on any of this stuff, but they they at least did these postmortems. Um, you know, what happened? Democrats haven't done that, and the Economist magazine uh, or a publication they they are imploring Democrats, please. Wake up. You're gonna blow this midterm election. And Garrity's point is they're not going to. They're not going to wake up. Why would they? They haven't they haven't yet, after you know, they won in 2020. They have to they have to lose in order to start reassessing, right? They're losing massive numbers of Hispanic voters. They just assumed that because these people were, you know, coming from Central and South America, they had more of a connection with Uh, socialism than Americans do. And so, Oh, they're going to be ripe for the pick. And also we have uh, the ability to, you know, play the race card and uh, you know, say, well, the Republicans don't, don't like you because of your race. The problem is a lot of the people that make that journey, they come here for a reason. And the reason more closely aligns with the Republican party ethos, Right. I'm not saying that everyone in the Republican Party follows this ideology, hashtag not all Republicans, but I'm not saying that. But that is like that's in general why if I have no other information about a candidate and I see the D or the R next to their name, I'm going to be more comfortable with the Republican than the Democrat because at least the Republican pretends, pays lip service every now and again, can be dragged to a limited government position, right? There's no hope of that happening with Democrats, except on abortion. Sorry, except on the abortion question. Then they don't want any government uh, intervention whatsoever. They want government very, very limited on that one topic. But the Hispanic shift is real. Signs of the shift were evident in the last presidential election. Uh, Aaron Zittner at The Wall Street Journal says if the shift is durable, it marks a big change for the two political parties. If Latino voters are shifting away from the Democratic Party and becoming more of a swing group, then that means one of the pillars of the Democratic coalition is getting shaky. Republicans, on the other hand, have become the party of America's white working class, but they want to be the party of the working class across all racial groups. This movement among Latino voters, if it continues, suggests that this is in fact happening and the Republicans can become the party of America's future by building across different races a party of the working class. The overt appeals, by the way, to be the party of parents is parallel to this. There is, I've said it before, I say it again because it's, I believe it to be true. I don't say things I don't believe are true. Well, generally, unless I'm making jokes, you know, or taking cheap shots, which sometimes I take. But, um... This shift is happening right now. It is a real shift. There is a realignment of the political parties occurring right now. And anybody that pretends to, to know how this is going to shake out, they don't. It's all speculative. It's all speculative. Because I don't know what happens. If the Republican Party becomes a multiracial, working-class party, what then becomes of its platform? How, do, how does the platform change? I don't know the answer to these things. Nobody could know the answer to these things. People are going to push for changes down the road that aren't even born yet. Venezuelans, oh, sorry, Venezuelans, now by far the fastest growing segment of the Hispanic population in America are shrugging off the anti-socialist vote among Hispanics that could be a problem for Democrats. Between 2010 and 2019, according to Pew Research, the Venezuelan population has increased 126%. There's more than half a million Venezuelans in America. Half of them are in Florida. And the fact they voted two to one for Trump helped secure the state. North Carolina also has a booming Venezuelan population, including Republican Hispanic Coalition Vice Chair Jonathan Uzcategui. 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 Jonathan Yu. Jonathan Yu, he is the Republican-Hispanic Coalition vice chair. Mexican-Americans, by the way, make up uh, up 62% of the Hispanic population. And uh, Jonathan Yu, he's got a quote in here. Uh, Inflation, gas prices, indoctrination by the public schools. These are the biggest issues. He says what's really causing the shift is that Democrat policies are starting to hit them in the wallet. And a lot of Hispanics are telling him... They see Democrats as the party against religion and religious values, which he says are very important to Hispanic voters. All right, I, look, there are no, there's no such thing as the news gods, but if there were, Or maybe a talk host, Gods, or something. I don't know what I did to please them, but I'll just keep doing it. Apparently, at the event in Uptown Charlotte, Governor Cooper is there. And uh, he met with Kamala Harris, Vice President, when she arrived. Uh, They met out there at Charlotte Douglas International Airport. They spoke briefly, like two minutes, and then she jumped in the... Uh, in the motorcade and I guess he got into another vehicle and they went to this thing where they're talking about internet access and Julie Isolt, the vice mayor, mayor pro tem rather of the Charlotte city council. uh, She got up there was talking how Charlotte is attempting to be the quote, most digitally equitable city in America. Digital equity. All right. Uh, then we got the FCC talking about broadband access. Just for the record, love the FCC and everybody who's ever worked there or appointed to any of its positions. Okay, then Governor Cooper, and he's introduced, I don't know by whom, maybe by the guy from the FCC or Gal, I don't know who. Oh, sorry, Jessica, Gal, Jessica Rosen Rosenworcel. Who I think it's fantastic. Uh, everybody that has ever worked and does work now at the FCC, fantastic. Anyway, uh, somebody introduces Governor Cooper as Ray. Huh. It happened again. Again. You know who the last person was that introduced him as Ray? My friend, Ray Cooper. Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Hillary Clinton was stumping for old Ray. And... Her good friend, we need to elect Ray Cooper to the governor's mansion. Remember that speech? I, I, th- I think I did a pretty good impression of it. Uh, that's what it sounded like. It does stick with you, yeah. Uh, I don't know who, I do not know who, uh, who introduced him, but it happened again. It's <laughs> just amazing. His name is Roy. But now this is why, so this is why I call him Ray. I've been calling him Ray for like six years. Ever since Hillary Clinton called him Ray, she would know. I don't know Roy Cooper or Ray Cooper. She's his friend. That's what she said. So I'm going to keep calling him Ray. Now I have another source. I have two sources on the record calling him Ray. And he apparently said, you can call me Ray. Okay, then. Ray it is. I don't want what I'm. Do not want to get in trouble for giving him an improper pronoun. So, Ray it is. Ray Cooper, our governor. Um, Talking about the breakdown uh, of the Hispanic population uh, going from Democrat to Republican. And there are very real reasons why. Culturally, they are more aligned with the Republicans. They believe in God. They have religion. I went over the polling the other day. The most godless atheist uh, bunch are the most progressive Democrats. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean about it. I'm not using it as a slur. Like, I, it doesn't, I, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter to me whether you believe in God or not. Because it does. I mean, my preference would be for you to believe. Because I think that, I think you'll be happier. I think people are happier. But... I'm not going to force you to believe. I'm not going to beat you up. I'm not going to proselytize to you or anything, evangelize to you. Um, But that's what the data shows. And so if you're trying to, you know, communicate and persuade people who do believe in God and have, you know, more culturally conservative beliefs on a great many things, you're going to lose that, uh, you're going to lose that attempt at persuasion. You're not going to be able to do it, right? In Texas, the Rio Grande, Val- uh, Rio Grant, sorry, the Rio Grande Valley, or Rio Grande Valley, ninety-three uh, percent Hispanic, county of Zapata. It went Republican for the first time in a century. In 2020, went for Trump, first time in a hundred years. It get, and that was in 2020. It gave Hillary Clinton a 33-point win in that county. That is a massive shift. There is a massive realignment happening in America. Ne- next door is Starr County, 98% Hispanic. It went from a 60-point victory for Hillary Clinton to a 5-point victory for Joe Biden. That's a 55-point erosion in a 98% Hispanic county. The shift is real, and the blue wave. I don't know. Maybe the Veep is going to be able to stop it. I don't know. We'll see. <music> News Talk 1110 Ninety Nine Three WBT. All right, trigger warning. It's the Veep. Let's, let's join in progress. Let's take a listen. In necessity. Okay.
1: It's as basic as is what we have come to accept over generations how electricity is a necessity. Same point. Students use the internet for so many reasons that are in pursuit of their education, including to attend virtual classes. Workers use the internet to find jobs and receive training. Seniors use the internet to see a doctor without leaving their home. For so many of us, the Internet is an essential part of our daily lives. And yet, more than 30 million people in our country still do not have access to high-speed Internet. Think about that, Mm. it's a lot of folks, Mm. and millions more. Mm-hmm. cannot afford the cost of a high-speed plan. Mm. Every person in our nation, no matter how much they earn, should be able to afford a high-speed internet plan. So last year, our administration invested $65 billion through the Bipartisan Infrastructure they don't have plans, then to help connect every household in our country with affordable high-speed internet. And to lower monthly internet bills. Oh, wait. For tens of Americans, through an initiative oh, that we're here to talk about, today, that explains it. That's why nobody got Okay. connectivity program. It's
0: only tens. So this so program actually, yeah, provides It's only tens of, of people. people that's but ten. Those tens of people. That's actually more than we're at the Democrats' uh, press conference the other day touting the Choice, $5 choice $5 Week, whatever. Lands, so it's like two people it also at that gives one. All gives right.
1: Families, <laughs> a one-time discount of up to hundred dollars yeah. to purchase a laptop a desktop computer or a tablet. Mm. Because an internet connection is not much good if you don't have a way to get online. If you don't actually have the technology that allows you to take advantage minute. of the service. Really? So we've we been heard working this. with internet service providers to make sure they offer plans for $30 or less a month. Which means the vast majority of households eligible for the affordable connectivity program can receive high speed internet without paying a dime. So if you are eligible or even think you might be eligible, I'm going to give you a website. Oh, yes. Everybody get ready. (laughs) Write it on your smartphone or. How would they do that? What? How would. Oh, my God. She did it. The website. She just did it. Internet gov. Get Internet. Wait,
0: get? Gov. Is it with the G.I.T.? And
1: when you log on there, you can check to see if you qualify. How do you log you in? You can to find it? a plan and you can sign up. How? The Affordable Connectivity Program has already done so much good. What am I missing Today, here? Today, 13 million people are enrolled. Wait, this isn't just me. Hang on. And these right. are students. Hey, hey,
0: hey, this isn't just me, right? Oh, no. All right. This is we're through the looking glass. They, they're, they're talking about a program that is for people who don't have internet, and she literally says, "Get online in order to find it if you qualify for this online access program." I'm starting to think they don't have the best and brightest working on the uh, on the on, on, in the White House on these teams.
1: used to rely on their
0: I'm starting to get that impression. Yeah,
1: to connect the whole family, which mm-hmm. can be incredibly expensive. And now those families can stream and search and study on Wi-Fi for free. This includes women who need access to health care.
0: Whoa, 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 that, wait, families many, that know, get online together, we're including women in that demographic, in that category? Like that. Maternal health and this is groundbreaking our stuff. our
1: nation is facing a maternal mortality crisis. In fact, black women are three times as likely to die in our country from pregnancy-related causes. Native American women are twice as likely to die. Rural women, women who live in rural America, are one and a half times more likely to die. And think about it. For many of the women who live in rural communities, they also live in maternal care deserts, which means they lack access to health providers and facilities. With high-speed internet connection and through telehealth, these women can access life-saving maternal care. Among the other 13 million
0: people... Her facial expression always registers a look of disbelief at what she's saying. Like, I can't believe I'm saying these words. This is so amazing. Like, her eyebrows are, like, way up. And her, her um, the pitch and, and of her home. delivery is like way elevated, uh, and, and like this kind of half smile smirk thing that she does, and we know her tell when she's about to lie do. to you, she we busts into that cackling program, laugh. But like this so we is, when we like she's delivering we this off, off a teleprompter, and you it can is tell is like maybe she did one read through. That's what it looks like. I don't know. I don't know if she's totally prepared with the with the content, but she seems kind of surprised that she's reading a lot of these words.
1: And importantly more affordable lives. Every month, the Affordable Connectivity Program saves working families over a quarter billion dollars. And it is important for so many reasons, including our larger fight to make sure that we do everything, and the President and I feel very strongly about this, to bring down the costs for lower, and lower the cost for working families. So, we expanded the child tax credit, which lifted millions of children out of poverty last year. And we passed a tax cut to give parents up to $8,000 for child care so they will have more room in their pockets to buy food and medication you know what's missing and school from supplies this for their children. So far? And we are fighting to pass applause. legislation to lower the price of food no applause. Drugs and health care and child care and so much more. Today we are in Charlotte because we need your help. We know that when we hold events like this, more people sign up. But it takes Uh the support of leaders like you in this room. For the free internet? To sustain that momentum. So we need your help, and that's why I'm here. Okay. To ask you, like Miss Tiffany, we're gonna look at her as a role model for this, to help us spread the word. Think about it, talk to everybody who comes over for Sunday dinner at Little League games, at work, at school, in your neighborhood. Talk with folks about what is available to them that they may not otherwise know, but can be a huge help for everything that is about their daily lives and obligations. And we need community and faith-based organizations to help people fill out their applications. There is an application. It's is not still too detailed, about the it's not too complicated, but is this, is this, folks might need an extra all right, hand. It sounds like
0: It sounds so like it's still the, she's still talking about the internet program, right? Get your free internet and, local and people need-
1: To drive enrollment
0: every right. way enrollment. they know how. Okay.
1: I know that Governor Cooper is already hard at work on this front. The partnership between the leaders here today is essential.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, it's gotta be about So again.
1: I am here to ask you to help spread the the word, to let people know what is available all right. to them. Free internet. And like Tiffany's story, when we see people take advantage of it, we see so much good that is not only about that individual, but truly is about their family and the community as a whole. So thank you, all of you, for all that you all have right. done to Let's help. Let's go ahead and bail on this now.
0: Nation. She uh, she's going to go do like this roundtable thing when she's going to talk about abortion and stuff with some uh, Democratic candidates. And I mean, that just uh, what a powerful, powerful speech right there. Just had the crowd. Electrified that yeah, she's walking off. Are they applauding? Oh, she put the mask back on. Yeah, they are. They're applauding. Um, I'm kind of curious that is a room full of people that already know everything about the program because they're doing the program and you get up there and ask them to help you spread the word. That's what you're doing. You're there to help spread the word. Is there anybody in that room that's already spreading the word about the program that now is going to be like, you know what? I wasn't going to tell anybody about all of this work that I'm doing, but now that Kamala Harris has come to town, now I'm going to do it. But I will I will take up the Veep's challenge. And hey, if you want some free internet, there are government programs that you can enroll in. Just go online. By the way, if you don't have a phone, call 704-570-1110-1800-WBT1110. <laughs> did, it, did somebody not... You guys all right, at the vice president's office, you need you need a continuity director. You need somebody in there that's going to, you know, like so you don't have the Starbucks cup show up in Game of Thrones in the background. Right, you, need, you need somebody to police this stuff. So this way, when the vice president gets up there and tells a room full of people that have been working on a project that she needs them to help her get the word out about their project. Oh, and the project is free internet for people and then directs people to go to a website in order to register. Please, for the love of me, hire a continuity director or somebody with half a brain. Here we go. This is, uh, David. Welcome to the program. Hello, David. How are you?
2: Good. How are you doing? Hey,
0: I'm all right. What's up?
2: I'm uh, just, uh, laughing and chuckling. <laughs> um, I just, I kind of, kind of feel like, uh, all that stuff that she just got done saying is ridiculous. Um, you know, it's really sad that they think that the uh, Internet service is what's going to save people when really we need to be focusing on uh, better energy sources.
0: Um, you don't need energy to run the Internet, David. Come now. that's Of course not. No, that's why Joe Biden was out at that, that bleak, apocalyptic landfill of a site. He was at yesterday talking about how they're gonna stick a bunch of windmills off the coast. That's that uh, maybe. Oh, how about this? How about this idea? Instead of you know, like you get your router. You know, if you get your router for free from, you're gonna get like a, a Biden router or something. BiFi, we'll call it. We'll call it BiFi, and you're gonna get your free router from the Biden administration. It'll have a it'll have a windmill on it.
2: Well, you know that's good and all. I I get it, but you know. What's really sad because I, I do live in a rural community, uh, mm-hmm. um, and, and I travel, uh, you know, upwards to an hour and a half to, to work in Charlotte every day. Um, and what's so sad is, you know, people are, have a hard time getting to doctors. People have a hard time finding a good doctor. People have a hard time getting the help that they need right then and there and now, uh, why can't this administration focus on something such as, you know, mobilization of, of, of medical buses, uh, 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 mobile uh, pharmaceuticals, all these things that are, are well needed? Um, I don't need to hear the junk about Internet service when you look around you. Everybody in the world has a, a, a phone in their hand. If they need to talk to a doctor, they're able to talk to a doctor
0: generally yeah
2: but you it's know getting, you live in getting the care that they need that is what's so asinine about it and that's what upsets me more than anything um and and not only that like there, there's they talk about food deserts here in charlotte i don't believe that come out there where i live if you're not growing it in your garden or right. killing it on your farm you may not have nothing to eat
0: yeah i know so uh whereabouts are you, uh are uh, do you live
2: I live out in Anson County.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm. So I've got uh, my in-laws are around um, near Locust, right? Act, you know, in uh, Big Lick, Frog Pond area, uh, and so I'm well aware of the challenges of, uh, of people have in rural areas, not just for food, but for, but you are correct for medical, um, and yes, even for internet. Right? Internet is part of that. Now, the other side of that is that that is a choice, right? That the benefits of being out in the middle of nowhere for the, your lifestyle, part of the downside of that is that you are in the middle of nowhere. Right? And nobody else, like all these things aren't around you. That's part of the allure. That's part of the appeal of being out there.
2: Well, I understand that. Yeah. Pete, but there's a, there's also a lot of people that really just can't afford
0: sure. to
2: pick up and move. And a lot of them are too old to pick up and move.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And, uh, and that's something that I would love to see North Carolina try to do better in the next few years is is helping these farther east communities out uh i I loved your show when you were up in Asheville. well thanks uh really liked your show here in charlotte um i just i just wanted to throw my
0: no i appreciate it david thanks so much for calling god i can't imagine that commute though get out now too because the vice president's going to mess it all up this afternoon